Hello team, it's Fab here, founder and head teacher at All Marketing School and your Marketing BFF. I want to remind you that there is a special invitation for you to join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Get certified as a positive impact strategy and make people fall in love with you and your work. Reclaim your time, understand the marketing foundations with a positive impact spin. If you are a marketing freelancer who wants to raise the quality of services and do more with less, or maybe you are an early stage marketeer ready to invest to gain real experience in building a strategy with purpose, or you're a marketing leader who wants to be recognized as a go-to expert and tackle new growth challenges. Whether you are beginners or whether you have some confidence into your strategy, we want to support you. We want to help you achieve your strategic goals, toss confettis in the air, and blast your favorite hype song as you get through eight incredible weeks with me and the rest of our faculty. Think about our certification as marketing training at university standards, not prices. So if you're ready to join us and you want to check out our incredible curriculum, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash certification. I repeat, amschool.click slash certification to find out more and learn what you are going to go through in our eight weeks. From marketing foundations all the way to leadership and storytelling skills, we're also going to cover strategic marketing blocks and advanced marketing tools. Plus, you get workshops, hot seats, group work, and even timely panels with incredible experts in the field. So what are you waiting for? No, I mean it. Our next cohort is starting real soon. So make sure that you head to amschool.click slash certification to come and join us and learn how to market to hearts, not to brains. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are currently bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello, squirrel friends, and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. Today, I am not alone. But when am I really? Only joking, dear listener. Today, I have the lovely Natalie with us. So I'm going to tell you a bit more about Natalie before I say hi to her and we uh, break the proverbial ice. So Natalie Scott is a certified money coach and she specializes in money mindset. Her ethos is to educate, elevate and empower. She's passionate about professional finance or personal finance, sorry, and the literacy which you all know. Use and need. Natalie coaches Zen Z and millennials one-to-one to banish limiting money beliefs, manage their money better, save and invest. And I'm going to add so much more. So I'm really, really excited to have you here, Natalie, because probably a lot of listeners will be like, eh, do I really need to think about this? And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. So I'm so, so excited and happy to have you here with us today. Before we talk about all things finance, though, I have a couple of questions to break the ice. I have three questions for you. We're ready? So, Natalie, what would be a trivia category you'd be really good at and why? Oh, wow. I hate to say this, but it probably would be celebrity culture because 
I just know what's going on. And it's not even that I'm looking for this information. I just somehow know what's going on. So yeah, something like celebrity culture, I think I'd be pretty good at it. My question to you then is, where where do you receive, as you say, you're not like you look for the information, but where is the place where actually the, the information comes to you, if that makes sense? I think it's on Instagram. So I've had a long career in the fashion industry. So I still plug into certain things. And even when I'm just not looking for it, it will come up and I'm hearing about this person or that person. I was like, oh gosh, how do I know so much about other people's lives? So yeah, I think if that was like a, um, a round, I think I'd do pretty good at it. It's one of those things as well where your explore feed starts fine-tuning so well to the little things that you look at when you are there like scrolling or when you just want to check in on somebody. And then if you, for any mistake or any reason, you're searching for something else and then you start seeing those images or pictures, you're like, oh, I need to, what's that? Why is that happening? It's really tricky not to fall for that. It's annoying. It's the algorithm. It gets you and you can't get away from it. It definitely knows how to do it. God damn it. My second question for you, thank you for that, is what is the first job you had and what did you learn from it? Was it in the fashion industry or is there anything before that that you can think of? Oh gosh, no, I've always been in the fashion industry. Um, But actually before, right before fashion, I worked in debt collection, which was very interesting. And that was in a call centre and that taught me a lot. It's like a 360 that we're doing now because at the time it was dealing with people who were in debt it was in um, unfortunate circumstances and it just taught me that wow it's so important to be financially literate because if you're not it's so easy to fall into debt and that was for my, my first ever job when I was about 17 working in debt collection and that always kind of stuck with me so I do find it funny that I've kind of done like a 360 moment and here I am as a a money coach (laughs) I find though that those are some of the lessons that really stick with us because we experience them and we can see them firsthand and obviously it allows you then to see well now I understand it and I think it's just as you say the fact that it really stuck with you and you remembered it and you kind of saw the impact that it had and when you know that there is a solution and you can actually provide that or you can support people with that solution, it just makes sense. And actually, thank you for that. It leads to the last question for this little warm up. Warm up, which is so what we do is really encouraging people to market to hearts, not to brains, which means we really want to think about marketing and the way you show up online as a way to make a positive impact. So my question for you is based on almost what we said in the last question. What does make positive impact on your audience mean to you and why? I think for me, it's just showing up as myself and being as authentic and raw as possible. And I think it's important because, say, maybe as early as two years ago, finance looked very different. If you was to say to someone, oh, personify finance, who do you see? It wouldn't be the image of myself. So the fact that I'm not that image and I'm talking about finance and people are hearing this information from me, who's not your traditional, you know, stereotype, I think um, that's important. I think people are able to relate to me and it makes them feel that having these conversations is accessible for them. And if I, the moment I stop being myself or changing how I speak and fine tuning my speech, I think people are going to either feel a disconnect or a distrust. 
So I try to remain myself as much as possible. I love that because I think it's so important with everything we do, especially when we are working in a way to support other people, especially making some some positive changes. But even more so when you are touching topics that, which I'm going to ask you questions about, obviously, because it's so important to me, that still have some elements of taboo, especially for specific people, whether it is a case of ethnicity, gender, And so there are some beliefs, or as you say, some blocks that we don't even realize because society has put them upon us. And it's like, you know, people love to talk about things like success, which I know, obviously, you also talk about in some elements within your content. But then when you look at whether it's financial success or just success and a comfortable lifestyle, that support that we give ourselves through creating a future that is based on very smart choices right now, it's something that everybody could do. And I think sometimes you feel either because you work for somebody else or maybe because of any other reasons, you feel like, I don't really need to learn about that. It's not really important. Somebody else will make that decision for me. And I love the fact that you help people reclaiming that like ownership or be like, no, I'm going to be the person who's going to make that choice. Even if at first I need to understand what ISAs are and it's so confusing. Help. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's so important, actually, that um, they see more faces, more diverse faces stretching across race, um, gender and class, just so they can see that, oh, wow, um, this is inclusive. We always talk about inclusivity. We always talk about it so much. It's such a buzzword. So I think it's, it's now time to start actually living that and embracing it. I have a couple of questions then related to this, especially when it comes also to some of the work that you do when it comes to also the mindset piece. Because I know that obviously the people that you work with are a lot of people in our, I'm going to put you in my generation, our generation, whether they're millennials or Gen Z. And I think that even as you said, the financial literacy conversation has changed. I still find even for myself, there are some old beliefs that I need still to shake off for myself, literally physically shake it off. So I was wondering, are there any beliefs or misconceptions that you can think from your clients or from your audience and I'm going to be even harder with the question both from a millennials perspective and from a Gen Z because I'm wondering whether they're the same or not there are some crossovers at times I think with um, millennials it's more so oh I have to have loads of money before I can start investing and that's because growing up we were investing wasn't accessible to us growing up or we didn't understand it. People in our immediate families weren't investing in the stock market. They might have owned property, but we were not taught about um, the stock market, especially if maybe you came from a working class family. So on TV, in the media, you're kind of fed the notion that, oh, this person has made a massive million pound investment. So automatically you're thinking, oh, I can't be an investor with like, £10, £20, £100 in my bank account, it's not enough. You think it's not enough. So I feel like that's something that I get a lot from millennials. And then when you break it down and say, well, no, you can make a £100 lump sum or a £500 lump sum and you can pay £25 a month or £100 a month. They're like, oh, so investing can be accessible. So I get that a lot from millennials. Um, From some um, Gen Zs, it's quite interesting. I think a lot of them, not many, like to be spoon-fed and feel like the world's going to give them something in return because, you know, we blame the millennials. They made loads of mistakes and now we're having to deal with it all. And so, yeah, for some of them, it can be quite hard for them to understand. And a lot of them want to be like influencers and they see me as an influencer. And 
I didn't give myself that that label or anything, but I think with them, I feel they want to live for now. A lot of them want to live for now. They want to obviously earn great, be in great jobs and earn a lot of money, but then they want that so they can live this ridiculous life that they see others appearing to attain and enjoy. And I said, you know, with that comes responsibility. And I have it sometimes with even family members who fall into Gen Z where they get their first job. I'm like, have you started investing in your pension? They're like, why would I do that? I'm young. So it's still like trying to break that disconnect and build it back up, you know, invest into your pension instead of like going to take out a car, brand new car on a lease. So it's trying to literally break those repetitive destructs that happens quite a lot and just remending them, which can which can take a lot of fine tuning. And I guess I'm just putting, again, thinking about my personal experience and the journey that I've had with the confidence. I think a lot of the time there's also, again, disclaimer, talking about myself now. So I'm going to ask if anybody else is having the same experience. But shame, like a bit of shame in thinking maybe either this is how I think or this is how I feel. Or for me, it's been like this, look at me, look at what I was doing when I was 20. I was like, oh, God. And kind of almost that shame. And because of that, it's harder to take that ownership and make those change. This is a bit obviously extreme. Now, I wasn't that extreme, but I can think that maybe I wasn't the only one feeling the shame of some of the financial sources or the lack of education. And because of that, not wanting to try and change or kind of learn more or ask for help. So I wanted to hear about that because some people might have that as a big block as well. Oh, 100%. And I think that's the problem because there's still that discomfort with talking about money. And it's something that I personally had to get over because starting off in my career, I wasn't earning loads of money, you know? And a lot of my peers were earning more money than me. But everyone thought that I was a high earner because of the decisions I made. I got on the property ladder when I was quite young. Just like I started investing at the age of 18. I did a lot of these things that my friends weren't doing. And then when I actually sat down one day and just told them how much I earned, they were flabbergasted. They were like, you don't even earn 30K. I was like, no, I don't. So they didn't understand how I was able to still go out with them and still enjoy my life. And that's because you have to make sacrifices. Although I was earning not a lot of money, because I wasn't spending it all on like fancy vehicles, lavish clothing, I was like investing it and saving it. I was able to build a nest egg. So when people get so bummed down with how much they earn and comparing themselves to people who earn more, it doesn't mean anything because at the end of the day, it's not about how much you earn, it's how much you actually, you, you have at the end of it. How much do you save? How much do you invest? Is your money working hard for you or are you just spending it? and living the life of Riley. So I think once people start to understand that it doesn't actually matter how much money they earn, and it's more about the money management of it all, I think people will eventually become more open to discussing money and discussing how much they earn. And I think that's something that I'm even trying to do in my own friendship groups as well, because a lot of my friends do not talk about how much they earn. It was only until I opened my big mouth and told them how much I earned they then opened up theirs and told me how much they earned. And I was like, look at that. That wasn't hard, was it? It's this judgment I think some people feel like, oh, if I tell people how much I earn, they're going to judge me for like, if I'm not earning this amount, then I'm not worth this amount. And your worth and how much you earn do not coincide. They do not live alongside each other. And I think the quicker we realise that, the much happier a lot of people will be. I love this. And I'm going to ask you a really hard question now, Natalie. So she's like, <laughs> not again. <laughs> This is, this is the vibe today. I know. Bring I'm it sorry. on, bring it on, bring um, it on. 
<laughs> Reason being, because I saw a post literally today and I was talking, I was going to talk to you and I was like, I'm, first of all, I commented and I'd be like, yes. But also then I was like, I'm going to talk to Natalie about this when we chat. And I think now is a good time because we go back to the idea of like earning and I'm going to slightly pivot. Obviously, part of our audience, a part of our listeners are also founders or consultants or freelancers, small business owners, as well as just marketers that work for somebody else. So this particular post, I'll read you exactly, I wrote down exactly what he says. It was like a tweetable, like, like you do as well. So if you look at Natalie's Instagram, you'll see those as well. And it says, <clears throat> in 2022, let's stop, uh, oh God, I can't speak today. Let's stop talking about revenue figures and start making take-home pay and pension contributions the new sexy. I think is obviously is trying to be a bit, kind of like black and white in some ways. And I was just trying to tap into some specific things that you see. By the way, the caption has got a lot more to it, but I'm not going to read the whole caption. But just as a, as a statement, I think it really hits the nail on the head of, especially from a business owner or entrepreneur side of it, that, you know, almost like talking about revenue too much or the way that sometimes we see it portrayed online and some people, the feelings that they have around it. So I just want to hear your thoughts because I think it's really interesting what, what you think about it because it's a bit, I think, again, a bit of a contrarian point of view, but it's interesting that now it's coming up as a topic of conversation. Yeah, no, I, I actually really, really love that post. Like, I would definitely like repost that, reshare it because it is so important. I am tired of people gaslighting others, entrepreneurs gaslighting entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs gaslighting the nine to fivers and so forth. And it really annoys me because I'm someone who started investing quite young and understands the power of like compound interest. When I hear people reading off how much they've earned this month or this year, I'm like, yeah, good for you. That's great. But let's talk about, are you actually investing? Is your money just going in one account and out the other? Are you saving it? Is it going towards any financial goals? Are you actually paying your pension contributions, especially as someone who's self-employed? Oh, so are you making your NIC contributions? Is that something you're doing? Because you know, without that, you're not going to get a full state pension. It's like we need to start talking about things that actually matter. Comparing person A to comparing B who earn completely different wages and they're competing to be like, oh, I earn the most or I've made the most revenue or I've made the most profit. That's all great. But if it's all just sitting there in your business, just looking great on a balance sheet, but you're not actually taking that money and investing it into your future or your children's future, to me, it's just gloating. And I always, when I hear, especially influencers or people on YouTube, when I heard that they've made X amount of money this month, X amount of money this year, I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're investing. I always say that to myself. I wonder if they're investing. I wonder if they're paying their taxes. I wonder if they're doing this. I wonder if they're doing that. Because again, until it's in black and white, and I, I see that you've got over 100K in your pension account and your investments are doing well and you know, you're really benefiting from compound interest, it doesn't excite me. I would love to see more posts about that. And I've personally done a little bit. I think I did a little celebration when I hit 25K in my um, in my investments. And to, to some people, it's like, oh, that's 25K, that's nothing. That's not a lot. But to me, that's a big deal because I'm trying to get to 100K. It's going to take me slower, especially switching gears from a full-time job to now, you know, doing this thing called life and um, just um, working on myself and self-employed life and business ownership life. It's going to be harder. But then... I know I can get there, you know, with hard work because my why is so big. So I would love to see more people talking about, you know, their pension contribution because that's where the real wealth is built. You can earn so much money, but if you're not using it correctly, you can lose it 
the same way you gained it. So it doesn't impress me at all, at all. <laughs> all right, I'll send you the post afterwards as well. So yes, you can please see, do. You can, you can share some love because it's, it's excellent. Um, and actually, I want to double down on this because I agree with all of it. And I think you really gave us a great perspective about it. And I'm even thinking, obviously, we both fall in the camp of kind of entrepreneurs, even if I do own a startup, so to speak, we're still more entrepreneurs that tend to be small teams or just their own and maybe scaling looks different. But I think there's another type of entrepreneurs that has a similar issue. That's why I want your opinion on because it's similar but different, which is left small business owners as startups because it's not even a case of making a lot of money and then either spending it. It's the constant idea of when you make money in your startup, then you reinvest it in the business and there's this kind of culture of constantly like reinvesting in the business. And I want to hear your opinion because I believe, again, it's almost like there is a middle ground and is understanding how everything fits together. But I find that that can be also quite um, almost like this is a maybe a weird term, but a masculine force of like reinvesting, rehashing. And I think it's important to look at things in a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I find it difficult. I remember when I first started the business, I started two, three years, two years ago, but then I started trading maybe a year ago and I had a really good first financial year and I was like wow and then I thought okay this is great okay all this money in my account but one it's in my business account two I haven't started paying myself at the time and I was like okay this money has to be used for something it can't just sit there to look good and I think that brought up my money mindset because growing up I was a saver even a hoarder I really hoarded money so obviously to see though that kind of money in your bank account I got really excited but I didn't want to spend it I was like okay but I don't want to reinvest it I don't want to do this but I thought I can't just sit there and look at it every day just to make myself feel comfortable so I had to take action and I had to reinvest in this had to reinvest in that and if I'm being honest with startups it's going to be a lot of that. It's going to be a lot of reinvesting and use look, look at your balance and you're seeing your balance go down. It might be taking on a little part-time job just to make sure the bills are paid. Like these things are all normal. I think we glamorize it too much that once we start working for ourselves, we're earning all this money and we, we go on holidays when we want and it's just not realistic. I've had to take on part-time work just to um, subsidize my income because I want my business to grow and it's not going to grow if I'm taking out a massive salary out of it when it's in its its startup, it's not going to happen. So, and with reinvesting as well, and I want to see the fruits of my reinvestment. So I think it's a lot of pivoting when you're, you're starting, seeing what works, what doesn't work, what marketing, because you want to be authentic. And sometimes, you know, being authentic, it can cost because not everyone's gone going to like you but I don't think you should stop being you if people don't like you because your audience and your tribe will come when I first started I was like no one's liking my stuff no one's um replying no one's engaged with me and it didn't put me off because I knew I can't change who I am and I just kept at it and then you have people that will dm you that will keep you going you're like oh my gosh I didn't know you watched my stuff because you don't interact but the people that are really watching your stuff and signing up to your courses they're not the ones always liking and commenting on your stuff and I think we need to just like find out why are we doing what we're doing why are we doing a startup why have we left our full job to do this that's your why not people liking your stuff or commenting or whatever and I think when you run with just staying focused on what your end goal is what your why is the money will come the tribe will come and the success will come 
But the moment you start to falter and like, oh no, I'll give up, then that's the moment you crumble. And that could have been like the turning point of you getting that success that you wanted. So I feel like as startups, we definitely need to be comfortable with reinvesting in our business. It's important. And that's the only way you're going to scale, to be honest. I'm going to slightly pivot now because I love that we focused a bit on the on some of the elements that can be applicable for people that work for themselves or for others. And we also looked at some entrepreneurial little nuggets. And I want to go back to something that can apply every dear listener here with us today, which is actually not investing just for ourselves, but also for our future, because not everyone would be want to build a family, but a lot of us do. And I know that actually you've been focusing a lot with some of your content, some of your offerings also with creating investments and opportunities and future-proofing for new generations, which I think is brilliant because even I'm going to put my hand up and say, when I was reading about some of it, I was like, oh yeah, I need to. And I started thinking about that now. But again, I felt very much like a fish in like in very uncharted waters. So yeah, I would love to hear. I would say, I would say I'm going to back to what you said before, your why. Obviously not the why, the why, but the why around this. Why did you feel right now was a good time to start having these conversations and what brought you up to actually discuss how our financial literacy and life systems can impact positively or negatively our children and our future generation? I think for me is that a lot of my friends around me, they did not have the bank of mum and dad. I kind of did, but not in the way that most people would want. It was someone passed away and left behind money or we had a property and we sold it and everyone got a bit of money. That's how I kind of came into, um, that gave a boost to my savings, right? And I feel like, yeah, that was great, but that was very timely. And if I didn't have any of those things, it would have been a struggle. And being a twin, I have a twin sister, so there's two of us. And I always have this conversation with my mum and dad. I was like, how come when we were born, you didn't think to start setting us up and putting some money aside? Because a lot of people talk about, oh, when I have kids, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But then when it actually comes, sometimes they forget that. So I always said to them, if I have children, I, I'm definitely going to set them up because what, what, who wouldn't want this? Your child turns 18 and they're coming to you because they either want to go to university or they want to start thinking about the property ladder and you haven't got any money to give them because you've been focusing on raising them and, you know, trying to provide them a really great life. So for me, if you start investing for your child when they're born and putting something very small aside, like £50 a month and getting everyone else involved, you know, by the time they're 18, that money would have compounded to quite a lot. And that would literally set them up. It will set them up for whether they want to go on to further education or if they want to buy a property. So I feel like we can definitely be the bank of mum and dad. I feel like it gets a bad rep. Like people are like, I'm doing this on my own, blood, sweat and tears, no hand-me-downs. I'm like, I want to hand-me-down. Why is that such a bad thing? And it's always sometimes I find in certain cultures, certain cultures, certain communities, it's like, oh, no, we'll help each other out or you struggle and do it on your own. It's like, no, I think we need sometimes we need to take the middle class, upper class mentality when it comes to preparing our children for life because it's class. It's not even a race thing. I think it's class. When you're middle class and upper class, these things are already set in stone. Your investment accounts are already sorted. You, you, some of them, some people already have like pensions already for their child in a form of a SIP. You can have a SIP for your child as well. So because now I'm learning this information and I know that a lot of people still don't know that this is out there, I'm going to tell people 
this is how you can set your children up for life so that when they do come to you, surprise, I've had an account building for you since you were a baby. Now you're 18, you've got access to it. I've given you all the tools that you need in life. I hope you don't take this money and blow it because this is the last help you're going to get from me. So it's like, and that's what I mean about like financial education. You, you teach your child, you groom them to understand the importance of money. So when they do get to that adult age, they're not going to squander it. And I think that's important. I mean, that's something we can all do for our kids. As little as £50 a month, £25 per parent a month. That is going to amount to some serious money when they're 18. So there's no excuse. I don't want to hear it, to be honest. I love it. No, And you're 100% correct. And I think it's especially one more thing I'm going to say on my side of things, obviously not being the expert, is that I understand that before I had quite a few investments set up and like then moved them all to into a new a new place and now this is pretty much mainly mobile not only mobile but it's, it's basically very modern it's more I can check it literally if I want I can check every week and see where things are at but I have a, like a quick glance at it and I just moved it from what it used to be before and it was one of the more traditional banks and it was a different type of investment by the way wasn't even better when it came to interest. It was just what we had at the time. I'm going to be putting my hand up and Natalie's not going to be impressed. I didn't set my proper pension aside from the state pension, which I do my contributions. But my normal pension hadn't been set up since, not until two years ago. And I've been on you know, my business working for that for eight years. Yeah. So, but one of my blocks was that all the tools, all the ways looked really confusing. And now there is a wealth of things that you can do and, and apps and softwares and companies that really help make things easier and more accessible, even where you're either overwhelmed, not sure where to start, and you feel like you can do it by doing, as you say, the little things, and then they obviously would work together into something bigger. So this long palaver and experience of my financial journey is to say that, you know, now is a good time to actually look at what's around us and obviously make informed choices. But I find there's so many new tools and different tools that allow everybody to start doing things in a much like even automated way, which is one of my favorite ways. Some things will automatically go somewhere else. Natalie's giving me a good eye. Uh, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you round up some pennies and all these things. Did you know that thing? And I think we forget about these things. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to probably know the answer already, but I guess you're a big fan of that as well. Like being able to have those things just being taken care of and being sent the merry way every month. No, 100%. I love, I automate all my finances. So I've got about five accounts. So money goes into account A and then money goes into account B. And then once the money's in B, it will then split itself again and go into account C. And that's just, I like structure in my life. And I like to have all these different things working for me because then I don't have to see it. I don't have to, I don't have to go through that pain saking task of having to go into my account and move the money and be like, oh, but I really wanted to buy this this week. And also while we're on it, I do um, put money aside for fun things. So that's another thing. We all talk about, oh, putting money that automates into our investments and our savings. But I have something called a fun fund. And every day money goes into that. It's not a lot every day. It might be two, three pounds, but every day it goes in. And the reason I do that is because if I get invited out, especially whilst building a building, I tend not to go out quite a lot. I only go out if need be, i.e. it's your birthday. But say, for instance, it's a brunch, like a one-off brunch. I look into my fund fund and I was like, oh yeah, some money is built in there because I haven't been out and I'll enjoy myself and there'll be guilt-free enjoyment. And I feel like people are scared to schedule fun 
they don't want to schedule it. They want to just like be able to go out whenever they want. And the world doesn't work like that. Maybe it works like that when we were were 18 and we had no responsibilities. And, you know, we had a lot of part-time jobs and was in college and having fun. But as you get a bit older, when you start thinking about investing, saving, you know, financial goals, you can't be out every weekend celebrating. Celebrating what? So for me, I like to have the idea of having a fun fund just for that. So it's guilt-free. And these things are all automated. Like I think all my money, I tell my money to do something. All my money does something, which is good. And I think that's good, a good practice in anything. Because I try to have a zero-based budget. But if anything is left over, I decide what I want to do with it. More time it goes into my savings. So that's that hoarder um, mindset coming back out in me. Most time it will go back into my savings. But if not, I might go out that weekend with my sister. So yeah, balance. Balance is key. And automation is king. <laughs> yes! You're preaching to somebody who definitely loves a good automation here and there. So love it. And I love the fun funds. Fun funds are becoming my new favorite thing. So I'm definitely going to steal that one. I'm just going <laughs> to gonna set out my own fun funds now. Natalie, as all good things, we shall now wrap up. But we're going to wrap up with quick fire questions. So these are fun little things. I would suggest maybe, maybe having your phone handy if you have it, unless you have a really good memory. But usually we always have our phone not too far from us. Excellent. And uh, I got five questions for you just to finish off. The first one is not necessarily needing the phone. So is um, what underrated tools or one tool that is underrated you find indispensable for your work? So is that one tool? It can be anything that you find is really, really important for your work. What would that be? Google Suite. Anything in Google Suite. Sheets, Gmail, calendar. And it's synced to my phone because I've got a Google phone. So yeah, I couldn't live without that at all. Lovers of systems, you see, that's how we work. Yes. Um, <laughs> now I do need your phone. And is can you tell us what is the last picture that you took on your phone? What would that be? Can you find it for us? I'm laughing because I bet it was a selfie. <laughs> ah, it was actually a video of myself talking about, it was well, not a selfie, but it was a video of myself talking about face gym. So I've been doing these exercises, these face massages, and I was just telling my Snapchat audience about it. And I was like, I'll keep them up to date. I'll keep you up to date. So yeah, I've been doing that recently. (laughs) Is the video of the update or actually you doing the face gym? Of the update after my first, doing it after my first day. Just like chatting. Listen, me and the camera, we're very good friends. I'm just like talking. So are we saying that? I'm just talking about it. Is it recommended? I know this is this is my life. Yes, I love it. I'm I'm really enjoying it, and I'm going to start doing it five days a week. So love it. Then it leads to my another question, which now I'm interested to see what it is. What's your favorite social media platform, and why? I feel like this is most people's answer, but I'd say it has to be Instagram, simply because it's. The, the app that gets the most use. I I don't think a day would ever go by and I'm not on Instagram because business is on Instagram and that's how I connect with a lot of people. But secretly, I do love Twitter. You can get a lot of bants on Twitter. I love Twitter. One time I gave up Instagram for a month because I wanted a bit of a break, but I couldn't get rid of Twitter. It was so much joke. So, but Instagram's my first love and Twitter's my second. <laughs> 
Love it. Love it. I'm here for that. So maybe let's look at Instagram, maybe. Can, do you remember who's the last person you followed or what was one of the last people you followed? Yes, on Instagram. So this is interesting. I've got two Instagrams. Um, the last person I just followed was a like a party installation company because I've been served the task of sorting out my four-year-old cousin's birthday. And yeah, my sister kind of put me in it. And now I'm like, messaging companies about balloon garlands and light up number fours. So yeah, that was the last company I literally followed this morning like on the DMs to them. So yeah, that was the last one. <laughs> I love it. And my final question for you would be, if you could broadcast one message onto everybody's phone, everybody somehow, what would it be? What would you want to remind people of if there's a little, little ping on their phone? Stop living your life to please others and trying to keep up with the Jonases because the Jonases do not know you. Full stop. <laughs> that is a great way to end it. I love it. Thank you. It's just that everyone is always living this life and buying all these things. And I mean, I've been there, don't get me wrong. I've, I've lived the life, I'm over it. But why are we doing it? When you really think about it, why do you need that new car? Why do you need that that designer belt, is it for you or is it for other people that don't know you? Like the rich Jonases, they don't know you. So why do we do it? So yeah, I'll definitely broadcast it. It'll definitely hurt a lot of feelings, but tough love. <laughs> hey, that's what we need sometimes. And to be honest, I think in answer to your question, why do we do it? I think a lot of the time it's because we don't have an actually broadcasting that on our phones. So we, until we ask ourselves the question, we don't really think about it. It's just, as you say, it's awareness, as simple as that. So we all need a bit more of that. Yeah, everyone needs that little daily reminder. <laughs> oh, she's going to go daily, every day, a little bit. I love it. I love it. Why not? <laughs> Natalie, thank you so, so much again. I'm going to leave you now to tell us before we wrap up, where can people find out more about you? Tell us a couple of places where people can go to say hi. Sure. Well, find me on my favorite platform that is Instagram on Natalie Scott Empowers. And you can also find me on that same tag on um, Twitter as well. And no, not Twitter, TikTok. TikTok. Oh, guys, I'm on TikTok. You need to find, you need to follow me. It's crazy, crazy world. <laughs> Facebook. And if you just want to obviously see what I, what I can do and what I've been up to, then, you know, you can also visit the website, which is natalieScottEmpowers.com. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time. <laughs>